first Sunday of the new year. Um, man, 2015. And the first check I wrote, guess what I put? One, one. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, mark out the, try to make the four look like a five. Of course, I did that. Um, so I thought I'd talk a little this morning um, about the anointing. Um, I believe that this church uh, is is anointed. I believe I've been anointed to bring His Word. And I know there's kind of like a lot of, uh, you know, that's just kind of a strange word get thrown around in, in religious circles and stuff. So I really want to go into a little bit of a detail about this because um, I've been for a year trying to get God's vision for this church. What does He want from us? What does He want from me? What is the vision? Where are we? We headed. And usually church visions, you know, they're, they're a little different. I kind of hear like we're going to do. We're going to raise this amount of money. We're going to do this kind of event or start this new program. But, but I don't think that's where we are now. You know, there's, there's nothing that we're going, that we, we necessarily need to do. Um, at our last uh, leadership or at our last business meeting, I liked one thing that uh, that Brandon King said, you know, because he said, you know, we could make the the vision or our goal to just raise the money to to get in our new building. Listen, I want to get in a new building just as bad as you, because I want this stuff to stay somewhere and us to be able to push the power button. And it be there, you know, not have to take it down, set it up, because there's all kinds of problems, all that. I want that just as much as anybody. And we're as close as we've ever been. Um, but if we just made it about raising the money, just made it about stockpiling money, well, we could probably, we would reach that goal. And then what? What do we, do you come up with another vision? Do you come up with, with something else? So I believe ours at Lifeline is about becoming as individuals who God wants us to be, and as a whole, just being just that that mighty fist for Him that that can that can do some damage, you know, to the community that can reach them. That not because of what we do, but because of of who we are. When people watch us live, you know, they say, you know what? I want that. I want what they have. I want the joy and the peace that they have on their lives. That's what we want. So what are we going to become? And, and as I thought about this, I thought about my own journey um, to, where, to where I am now. I've been a Christian for 23 years and a half. Um, I'll, be, I'll be 40 in June. I can't believe I say that. I used to think that was like really old, but now it's like not that bad. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be 40 and, I'll, you know, and I'll, be a, I'll have been a Christian for 24 years. And... So in June of 1991, I remember being saved. I remember calling my youth pastor. He came and he picked me up and he, he prayed with me and he led me into the kingdom. And you would think, I would think, that that should have made just the biggest difference in my life. But it didn't. It didn't. I mean, I can look back and see how God started the whole process. But you know, I received a, a Bible Never picked it up. Never thought of reading it on my own. I take it to church and open it up to wherever the the preacher was. You know, I had. You know, I was man. I was sexually pure when I got saved, but I would become sexually immoral after that. You know, and looking back on that, it just makes me 
sick. You know, my body was a temple and here I was just treating it like it was nothing. You know, like I, I didn't have, I wasn't offering my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. You know, I had all these things that I started doing at that time. And, and one of the only beneficial things I can think of that I started at the same time I got saved was I started playing the guitar. You know, and it wasn't any of this kind of song. I mean, I, I was learning how to play Metallica cover tunes and, and ACDC cover, cover tunes. I mean, I was learning all of that stuff because it had the coolest guitar, you know. So that's what I was, I, that's, that's what I was all about. But I didn't realize that I was anointed to play. I mean, the thing about the anointing is that there's a lot of musicians out there anointed. But who are you going to give that? Two. You know, my mind goes to two kings that were anointed. Saul, he was anointed king of Israel and he was a lousy king. He used his anointing to do what Saul wanted to do. And then there was a young shepherd boy named David. He was anointed. And to our knowledge, he's the greatest king that has ever existed. Did he make any mistakes? Of course he did. But he was a leader. He used his anointing. So I was anointed. And at first, I was using that anointing for the wrong purpose. I didn't acknowledge God in any of, any of all that. The truth being known, I wanted to glorify me. I wanted to play guitar parts. And some people say, man, I want to be able to play like you. And I said, well, just practice like me and do what I did. And all that kind of stuff. I used my anointing to point toward me. And as years, you know, went by, and I didn't like the direction of my life, you know, I, I said, you know, like about five years after I got saved, Lord, I don't like where I'm headed. You know, I basically, you know, my temple is polluted. Um, you know, I do all this stuff for the wrong purposes. I'm not glorifying you. I, I want to glorify you. And I want to honor you in what I do. And so, you know, I had a period of separation where I quit my little band and um, we just, they, they kind of went on to get a little more, you know, successful and I kind of got jealous of that. And, you know, just, but, but at the same time, I started reading this word. When I was by myself at home, I started reading this thing. You know, I made it a goal to read this in a year. It took me 15 months. I couldn't quite, quite read it in a year. But I was just different. You know, whatever happened in reading this word, I can't say how it happened. I was just different. My, my, my wants changed. And I wanted to honor Him. And the first person I met, uh, one of the first people I met was uh, Mark Bagwell from Golden Corner. And he just started asking me questions and, you know, found out that I play guitar. He said, you play guitar. He said, we could use you. And at Golden Corner Church, um, I started playing the guitar for a completely different reason and it was very hard at first to to come in to my anointing because at first I just didn't want to mess up so that caused me to play real quiet and timid and really nobody could hear me and then you know I kind of went on I started getting a little better and you know I'd feel like well I can't kind of do this part real well because I don't want to show off I don't want it to be about me I want it to be about about him and through a couple of years of that, I finally got to the point where, you know what, I can stand here and I can play 
for Him. You guys just are here and just get to witness us playing for Him. And I feel like that's what we just did. We didn't do it just here. We did it practice on Thursday. We were closing our eyes with nobody else in that room. And we were praising Him. And every single one of us left with just smiles on our faces. And, and the next day I just kept thinking about it. Man, that was some, some authentic worship. So what a cool thing for, to start as a 16 year old and to end you know, right here just a little bit ago as a 39-year-old to, to, to use my anointing. I had an anointing. And I didn't realize that, that a few years after that, that, that the Lord, you know, this would be, I don't know, probably about 10 years after I got saved, put it in my heart to a couple of messages. You know, I said, you know what? You can, you can preach. You can bring the Word. And, you know, I, I was horrible at first. I have cassette tapes that really ought to burn but I keep them just to listen to every once in a while because I'm like, wow, you know, like, I'm not that good now, but at least I'm not that bad as I was when I started. So, you know, I, but I was anointed. And, and God, I had no idea that when He put me on a leadership team at Golden Corner, that He was showing me the ins and outs of, of how a church runs from, from underneath, the, not just from out there as a member, but, but on the inside. I got to look at budgets. I had no idea that this is where He was leading me to. I had no idea when, when Ronnie and those started saying, hey, we want you to preach a few times a year. Just get up there. I'm like, in, in regular Sunday morning in front of everybody, three, four hundred people? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and he, they, they kind of developed me and, didn't know that a year ago today, you know, year, last year, that, that this would all come to, to where I was here. But I realized I was anointed in all of this. So there was anointing that I, that I feel like started my, my whole journey. If you could kind of uh, imagine, like, uh, you don't know what Venn diagrams are. I know Tammy does, but the Venn diagrams, the circles where they meet. You know, I, I look at this as like in three parts. And the first one is like, you know, this, the circle, you know, you get saved, you got a circle and, and you, you, it's like the, the anointing begins to come in and it's another circle and it starts to overlap like an eclipse, like the sun, the, the moon moving in front of the sun. It just slowly over years, you know, you, 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 you're filled with the anointing. It slowly moves in. And then there's another circle called the presence of God. And, you know, I remember this at, at Open Door Baptist Church. I mean, when I first time, I was getting serious about this. And there was a service and men were just crying and weeping. And I was looking around saying, what is that all about? I said, Lord, if you will, when this ever happens again, I want what those guys have. Whatever they're feeling, let me feel that. And sure enough, it was not long the, the presence of the Lord moved, and I just found myself in the presence of God. It was my first taste of the presence of God, and I was just crying and weeping and snipe pouring out my nose, and I was like, wow! You know, and it was almost like I couldn't take it. It was like, Lord, you got to cut this off. I can't take it. Because what was happening was the presence circle was moving in, and it had just started. And over the years, I started being able to feel Him more and more and his presence moved into my life and and all i can say is i'm getting to where i can feel him for you know for longer and longer amounts of time and i hope it keeps getting better and better and better as i keep getting older as that circle moves in and fills that one up because then there's another circle that i feel is just now breaking 
my circle of anointing and presence. And it's called the glory of God. And when you operate in the glory, you're, you're basically operating in the anointing and in the presence of God. So the glory of God begins to fill the place. And if you have people that are anointed and are filled with the presence of God and His Holy Spirit, then it begins to, you begin to, you have something to offer people. You begin to live a life that people look at and say, I want what they have. And the glory of God begins to fill a place and change people. And I hope that makes sense. But that's just, uh, this is just the first part. I'm going to think that I, I will be giving you this message over probably the course of a, of a year. Um, as he gives me these little pieces, it will, it will unfold. But I do want you to understand that the part one is the anointing. And I know that was a killer long intro. But I will, uh, let me pray before we get this started. Father God, I thank you so much, just for one, what you did right there in worship, Lord. You brought us, we, we came together and we practiced Thursday and we practiced this morning and, and Lord, you, you, you used us, Lord. You, you allowed us to, to bring, even if every note had been perfect, Lord, it still wouldn't have been good enough for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But, but you let us imperfect people, Lord, who you've reached down and changed our hearts and, and you let us lift up praises to you, Lord. Thank you. And even as I begin to feel your presence right now, just connecting with you, I pray that your glory will fill the temple here, Lord. Fill this place, Lord. I bind any evil that may keep eyes from seeing or ears from, from hearing or minds from knowing. I bind any of that, Lord. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds, Lord, so that we can see you, hear you, know you better as we leave here, Lord. But most of all, we always ask, that you open our hearts, Lord, and pour in just a little bit more of your love so that we take one more step towards you and we take one more step, step toward leaving here and loving you just a little bit more and doing our work as unto you and nobody else. I ask, Lord, and I plead that you will take these words, Lord, and magnify them, put your presence on them, and do something special within our hearts. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So, what is the anointing? Okay, The origin of this actually comes from the shepherds and sheep. Okay, Horrible shepherds didn't really care about their sheep. They just wanted the wool off of them and they were just whatever they could make the money off of. They didn't really care about them. So if they sat in the field with flies all over their head, with, with uh, mites and stuff getting on their fur and getting in their ears and aggravating the sheep, they didn't care. As long as, you know, they got their money in care. That's what horrible shepherds do. But good shepherds, what they would do is they would take oil, anointing oil, and they would pour it on the fur over the head, over the back, and man, it, their, their fur would just get so slick, and bugs couldn't, couldn't attach to them, and the smell of them would keep them away from their eyes and away from their ears. And what the anointing did because of the shepherd. If the shepherd was a good shepherd, and you know we serve the Lord Jesus Christ who says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. If you were privileged enough, lamb, to be in that kind of environment under that kind of shepherd, then you were blessed. You were under a, a ruler who wanted the best for you. You were amazingly blessed 
And, you know, you, you didn't do anything to, to be in that position. The kids are back there learning about the Beatitudes. And I'm going to do a little series on the Beatitudes. But the first one is blessed are the poor in spirit. The people who know that it is only by God's grace and His anointing that I, that I see Him, that I hear Him, that I know Him. He's the good shepherd. He did everything because blessed is the poor in spirit to say, I can't get through this life. I can't make it to heaven without Him. So blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They have access to the things of God. A sheep under a good shepherd was blessed. They were protected. They were, you know, like, as long as you stayed close to the shepherd, he had this rod that he was skilled with, and if anything came at you and you were close enough to him, he could launch that thing at, at, at animals that would seek to kill him, and he could protect them, the rod and the staff. If one started to, to turn off and leave, he could take that staff and put that thing around its head and say, no, you stay close to me. There's danger out there. You were... Protected, so no wonder thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me if you stay close to the shepherd. You were empowered. You were free to live without the flies, without the might. You were, you were free. In our case, we're free to live without the sin. That's what it means to be anointed. You're blessed. You're protected. You're empowered. And the first time. I love kind of that whole law of first dimensions. Where is this found first? And this is found in Genesis chapter 28, starting at verse 10. Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. Now, why was he doing this? Well, he just ripped his brother off of the blessing. The firstborn uh, blessing, he ripped him off and his brother was seeking to kill him. His mom said, go to Haran, take a wife from there, but stay gone until all this blows over. Okay, so this is why he was headed out. He, he was a swindler, he was a cheat, and he basically as punishment, see ya. You gotta go now. You know, you can't stay here anymore. You wanted that blessing? Well, here's kind of the price you're going to have to pay to get it. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. Okay, so it's getting dark. He's at a certain place. And he took one of the stones that play, of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Okay, so he's laying down. On the stone, I could get into how the stone represents the law and all that stuff, but I'll probably hit that some other time. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. So he's just putting his head down. He don't know that God's at work like this. You know, he sees, wow, there's angels coming out. There's activity in heaven between there and here. God is not silent. God is at work. Look at the angels ascending and descending. Wow. And behold, the Lord stood above it. And he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. You just happen to be laying at the spot that I'm going to give you. 
Also, your descendants shall be the dust of the earth. There's like so many people going to come through you. It's ridiculous. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Amazing, because here we stand blessed because of this, because of the Old Testament, all this. We're blessed because of that. Jesus came through all of this and we've received Him. All will be blessed. And thousands of years later, here we are, still blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. Okay, yes, I know you're heading off to Haran. There's a work I got to do in you. And next week I plan on talking about that work that was done in him while he's at Haran. He said, but you're going to come back to this place. Come back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. I'm here for you. I'm, I'm here. I'm, uh, you're, you're my servant. I got you covered. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. And said, I love this, surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't even know it. And I think about, even my little experience I told you about at Open Door, you know, when I saw those other men, that was kind of me looking at the ladder right there saying, man, look, God's doing something in me, but He's not doing that in me. Lord, I don't want in on that. And that next time I'm like, wow, surely. The Lord, He was here the whole time. It was me. I just didn't get in on it. And how many times have I gone to church and just been like, sat there and like wondered when I could go to the restaurant afterwards. And now I look back and I'm like, are you kidding? The Lord, He was here the whole time. That's amazing. Surely, the presence of the Lord, He was here. And He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? Unbelievable. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. This is amazing. So what do you do after you realize something like that? Well, Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and, here we go, poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place, Bethel. Bethel means house of God. Anytime you see E-L, you need to see God. It has something to do with God. So Beth, house, house of L, house of God. But the name of that city had been loose. Loose means light previously. Okay, so yes, there was a light here. But now, this is Bethel. This is the house of of God. And that's part of what I see for us. Yes, there's been a light here. Yes, we've experienced this is someplace special. God, I believe, has, has His light shining on this congregation, on Lifeline, on what we're doing. I realize we're in the early stages of it, but I think we're going to go from loose to Beth L. When people come in here and say, God is in that place. No, they're not the best musicians. And that dude that gets up there and rambles on and on, yeah, he's not the best preacher. But let me tell you, God is in that place. Is that not what we all want? To come in here and say, this is amazing. God is here. Then Jacob made a vow. <laughs> Listen, this was so cool. God, here's what I'm going to do. 
If you'll be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going, okay? Because I, I know what I've been in the past. I know what I was, but I know this is different. And you're starting something new in me. If you'll keep me in this way and change me 10, 20, 30 years down the road to what you want me to be, keep me in this way and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. Amazingly, coming from probably the richest kid on the planet at the time. I don't care about those riches. You just provide my basic needs. If I have clothes on my back, and I have food to eat for that day, that's all I need. I don't need to be rich. I don't need anything but your presence. This was the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my life. So that I come back, you bring me back to my Father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. I'll serve nobody else but you. And this stone, which I've said is a pillar, shall be God's house, Bethel, house of God. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Interesting that God never says, give me the tenth. Give ten percent. He, His heart was so changed that He wanted to give the ten percent. I've sat in services and acted and been kind of badgered to give the ten percent. And I've given reluctantly before. But now, I've come to the place where like, 10%, that's all. Thank you, Lord. It's amazing. You want to give that. So if you ever give begrudgingly, say, Lord, I want my heart changed so much like that, where that's just what I offer you. And it's, it's not anything bad. You know, it's not anything that I have to do. It's something that I want to do. Now, so far, all that's really happened is that he poured the oil out. How do we know that's anointed? Well, just a few chapters later, in Genesis chapter 31, verse 13, and this is 20 years later. This is like, I mean, three chapters we read, but it's 20 years. He had to work seven for for uh, Leah, who he didn't really even want. Then he had worked seven more for Rachel, and then his flocks built up, and then he took off and... In 13, in this verse 13, 20 years later, God says, this is Him speaking, I am the God of Bethel. I am the God of the house of God. This is me. This is mine. Where you, and there's the word, anointed the pillar. And where you made that vow to me. So God says the pouring of the anointing oil, the pouring of the oil was the anointing. Where you made a vow. Now arise, get out of this land, and the land, and return to the land of your family. Now that's the first time that we see that it's mentioned that it was to anoint a place. Now the next time I find this, it was actually for a person. Now in Exodus chapter 29 verse 7, it says, and you shall take the anointing oil, this is Moses, Pour it on his head, which is Aaron, and anoint him. So, anointing means he's, he's set aside. He's, he's protected from all the, the flies and the stuff of this world. His job is to stay close to me and be the priest for my people. And he was anointed. He was set apart. He was consecrated as the priest for his people. So the priests were anointed. 
And you, you know, in a sense, we say, well, what does that have to do with us? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We are the priests. We are a holy nation. We are His own special people that we may proclaim the praises of Him who did what? Called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. So as priests, we are anointed to do what? To do nothing but tell people that, listen, I was in the dark. I used to live this way. I used to do these things, and I couldn't help it. I was on the wide road that leads to destruction. But what did He do? He called me out of darkness. It started with a simple prayer. Lord, will You forgive me? Will You come into my heart? Will You change my life? And He slowly has been bringing me into more and more light. That's what we're anointed. That is what we are to proclaim as priests. Nothing else. I was in the darkness. And I think so many Christians forget that we used to live in darkness. I am thankful that God took a decade to bring me near to Him. Because then when people get saved, if I had gotten saved and I would started doing all these things, say just become a preacher, then I'd probably be real judgmental toward people who say the prayer and say, and then go off and then still go around sleeping with their girlfriend, still going around using F-bombs and GDs and all that, still go. I'd probably look at them and say, no, you must not have gotten saved. Nothing happened to your life. But because I was that way and because I still went on to be immoral and I saw how God slowly changed me over a decade. Well, I'm patient with people. Yes, you've gotten saved, and yes, you're still involved in this sin. But God will forgive you. Let's get out of that. Let's get in the Word, and let's let Him change you. Let's get you out of that darkness now. You're saved, just as saved as I ever was. But let's come out of that darkness, and let's get into His marvelous light, because surely the presence of the Lord is here. And if you get those things in order, and you get to experience that, it's amazing. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. So what do we do with all this stuff? What do, what's, what's the application for us? And here's what I've been thinking. I think we've been given an incredible opportunity to know where we are headed in the next one to two years. Okay, I believe it's pretty safe to say that, you know, if we keep giving or if our giving increases like it has, in a year. Guys, listen, we, we, I'll go ahead and tell you, we saved a hundred grand last year. Okay? I mean, that's, that's amazing. And, you know, we need about a hundred and fifty more. And we will have what we need to go to our property and do everything we talked about in our business meeting on, on that day. We know where we're headed in one to two years. So now, now, remember, now Jacob, he had 20 years before he came back to his place. There's our place right over there. I think we have an opportunity to do what they did in Exodus chapter 40, verse 9. You shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and you shall hallow it 
This is sacred. This is amazing. He's going to be here. When we meet here, He's going to show up here for us. All of the stuff in it, all the utensils. And it shall be holy. It shall be set apart. Now, one of the coolest gifts that y'all gave me during uh, October, Pastor Appreciation, was from, uh, from Mark. He gave me some anointing oil. I'd never bought anointing oil. And I just kind of looked at it, and man, you know, I've, I've done some cool, crazy stuff with it. I've anointed on my doorposts at home and played protection. I mean, I'm slinging this stuff around. I've anointed my kids. I've anointed myself. You know, I'm like, this is awesome, you know. And, and, and I, I treat it respectfully, you know. It's not like I just go around doing anything. I try to get a calling from the Lord, and I feel this. But what I want us to do is let's take some oil. You know, whatever it is. And let's take some time, each of us, whenever you get a chance, whenever you ride by that place. And how about just touching our building and saying, Lord, this, this is, we want to set this apart for you. We want this to be like no other church. It's so easy to get into playing four songs and doing some sermon and leaving and waiting to be entertained next week. But we don't want that, Lord. We want your presence to abide here and let's anoint it. I think we got an amazing opportunity to do that for a year. Take some oil, pour that stuff out where somebody might say, what a waste. Well, that's what they told the woman with the alabaster box, pouring it out upon Jesus. And somebody says, well, that money could have been taken and give to the poor. And Jesus is like, you leave her alone. What she's doing, people are going to be talking about on the first Sunday of 2015. People are going to be talking about this for generations. It's amazing what she has done. And I picture that stuff. It didn't go to waste. It anointed Him. And I imagine even on the cross, that, that anointing oil probably was in His hair. And maybe as it got in His face as He was hanging there, just for a moment, maybe He got pleasure in smelling that anointing oil and remembering her and remembering why he was doing all this to begin with. He said, man, there are people that are going to be ready to pour out their hearts, to pour out their possessions, to pour out everything they have into me. This is worth it. And we didn't go to waste. So we have an opportunity to do that, to pour out the oil and pray around our property and, and set it apart as holy and when we go in there that first service, just to say, man, surely, the presence of the Lord, He's here. Mickey, if you will, go ahead and start coming up. I just asked her to play some little background stuff for me. Because uh, I think the second part of this, our application, is to prepare our people. In Psalm 23, verse 5, i got a cool, I'll, I'll do a real long series on on uh, Psalm 23, uh, sometime or another, whenever the Lord gives me the go. But he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now that's a picture of, man, the shepherd going over, man, and getting all the weeds out of the pasture, fertilizing that ground, making it lush and green and beautiful. And in the presence of the enemies, man, you know, all those enemies, knowing that those sheep are going to be coming to those wolves, and the shepherd being right there with them, and in the presence of those wolves, knowing the shepherd, man, he's going to protect them. There's nothing we can do. Look at that beautiful grass they're eating off of. Now, if we get some people coming here with a bad shepherd, we might get to eat a few of them. But, oh, good, okay. So, 
Actually, I knew Psalm 23, 5. I would have been okay. So you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. So David's sitting here thinking, and that's what I do for my sheep. I put the oil on them and no pests, no evil, no thing sticks to them, makes them sick, harms them. Nothing bothers them. And in the same way, Lord, you do the same thing for me. I sit here and you are on my mind. Not the things of this world. Not what I'm going to be doing with my girlfriend here after a while. Or not how much money I can make. You are on my mind. You, this is amazing, Lord. You anoint my head with oil. And because of that, my cup, it ain't just full. It overflows. I'm sitting here praising you, writing the best known psalm that will ever exist. How many people... If you ask them to quote a psalm, we're going to quote Psalm 23. It's going to be, that was the first one I ever learned. It's amazing. You anoint my head with oil. Look what would happen in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 3. This would really happen to David. Then, invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint the one that I name to you. And you know the story, man. Jesse only brought out his oldest sons. And Samuel went down and said, I don't know the problem. It's none of these. Oh, I got the little shepherd boy out there. But surely you don't want him. He's kind of the runt. He's kind of the nobody. Bring him here. And man, in the presence of his brothers, who if you go on to read would see, would be some of his enemies, then man, his head was anointed and he was anointed as king of Israel now he didn't immediately become king the king actually found out that he knew how to play the guitar and sing and so he said bring that guy in to comfort me I want him to play for me so he got introduced to the palace he got introduced to all to the kingship and then a war would happen and he would go out with a sling and a stone and no armor and fight like no person has ever thought before. He would slay a giant. And he'd come home and they had this song, Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. That would ignite a jealousy in Saul. He knew then, man, David's the next king. And he would spend the rest of his life trying to kill David and maintain a throne that wasn't rightfully his to begin with. And what we what I what we understand, what I get out of that, I got a sermon that I'm going to be preaching, hopefully not too long from now, called Is There a King in the House? Where you realize you're the king of your house, you're the priest of your house, and you are to be anointed. And I'm going to anoint the men in this church who want to be set apart as holy for their home. Yes, everybody else lives this way. Yes, everybody else does this. But we, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's that's the way we're going to do it. That's the way I'm going to do it. But today, what I would like to do is I would like to anoint the leaders of our church. If they would just come forward and kneel down and pray. I am going to anoint you 
with oil. And I want you guys to realize we're set apart. We're different. We're holy. We've been anointed to do God's work. And I want the congregation to see this because they've been anointed to lead us. Man, we ain't in this for us. We're not in this. All this is, everything here is pretty much volunteer. I think I'm the only one that makes any money here. Well, Jen makes a little bit of money. But I think that's it. I mean, we're in this for Him. We're in this for His presence. And I want you guys to know that the leaders of your church, they've been anointed, they've been set apart to do God's work. So Marcus, Carl, uh, Brandon, man, come on up. Milton, hey, I guess he's on vacation. What a day to pick to, to be out. Is uh, Mike here? Yeah, come on up, man. Yeah. And guys, listen, this is this is simple little process, man. Y'all just pray to the Lord and Lord in Your presence. I just ask. I know there's nothing special about this anointing oil or anything, Lord. But, boy, they're special in you. And knowing you're here and knowing that you infiltrate a house and there's nothing like your presence, Lord. I feel it right here even as I pray. So I anoint Brandon. I anoint Carlton. Anoint Marcus. And I anoint Mike. Lord, set us apart to lead your church where only you can take us, Lord. We want nothing but your presence. We want to walk into your house, Bethel, the house of God, and say, surely the presence of the Lord is in that place. We thank you. We love you. There's no one like you. In Jesus' name we pray. This has all come to an abrupt ending. You are dismissed.